I am very excited about this presentation here today, and I'm going to be honest with you folks, I wasn't necessarily until I found a way to merge the spiritual angle of things with that of what's considered to be not even fringe or, you know, fringe physics, what's considered to be now called quantum physics. Now, with that being said, I just want to say that this episode hopefully will actually, in a way, help all of us, even myself, understand as we process this information, how to cope with day-to-day life situations, whether it's relationships, whether it's understanding the mechanisms of, of people and how they behave, whether it's trying to figure out what's really happening on this planet relative to all the craziness. And also, uh, for those that are able to catch this before the Dan Winter lecture, I think this will be a good sort of introduction to that. Now, I'm not saying I'm no anywhere near the level of Mr. Winter to even say that this is an official introduction to tomorrow's lecture, but point being, I think that there are very intrinsic connections here that we'll be making that ultimately, I think, um, cannot be ignored, so to speak. So let's jump into it. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Hidden Rulers Through the Ages. This is a members-only, this will never go public, this is a, a members-only series uh, based on the Archons and all of that. Now, today's title is called Thick Time, Squaring the Circle, Being Bitten into Relationships, and that has a multifaceted meaning. The J Phenomenon and cymatics, okay? This is going to get a little bit, um, I guess you could say, um, intense, so to speak. So let's delve right into it. So first and foremost, I'm reading here from the uh, very time-old uh, uh, book, literature-based book, Archon's Hidden Rulers through the, Throughout the Ages. So let's zoom in a little bit here, and let's go full screen. So again, this is a, an inter someone being interviewed pertaining to being bitten into relationships, and there will be science behind this to elaborate, so please bear with me. So let's take a look here. Is love, Karina asks at the top here, developed under alien power, not real love? And this woman here, Eve, says, This is an excellent question. I think the love is real, genuine when two people realize they have a very powerful connection, regardless of how they got together. What is disturbing is how easy it is for the aliens to manipulate us who don't seem to have the strength to defend against these machinations. Okay, before I go on, I want you to keep something in mind here, folks. Already, <laughs> to point this out, Eve says... I believe that they have a very powerful connection regardless of how they got together. Please keep that sentence in mind, specifically the words regardless of how they got together, because that implies, again, free will, and we're going to be covering that very shortly. What is disturbing is how easy it is for them to manipulate us and... Uh, and, and those who don't have the strength to defend against their machinations. They can switch off one person leaving the other, pinning away in unrequited love for years. In the Ted Rice case, it was revealed that the aliens created a powerful heart connection between Ted and his partner Jill by weaving some of Jill's heart chakra energies into Ted's heart center. Now, before some of you may, uh, some of you that are more focused on the nuts and bolts side of things, turn this off and say, okay, Dave, you're more into the spiritual stuff, not my cup of tea. Please, folks, bear with me. I think this will be an episode that will intrinsically bring those two together. This process wasn't reversed, and the result was a strong love connection for Ted to fall in love with Jill. Her heart was put into his, but not vice versa. Now, when they say the heart being placed, her heart was placed into his, we could argue very strongly that based on the astral um, density and simulation in which we live in, again, presuming that is the case, I'm not saying specifically, but presuming we're living, we're living in some type of construct, if you will, right? It seems as though that vibrational strings, okay, pertaining to what's called cymatics, 
can actually be moved. And this could be substantiated based on the physicist, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, Luc Montagnier, excuse me, a doctor, Luc Montagnier on water teleportation and DNA teleportation that was quickly ushered and, and shoved to the side. By the way, may he rest in peace. Mr. Montagnier uh, passed away, I believe, 48 or 72 hours ago as of the time I'm recording this. He's also the one who warned that the COVID jabs are poison, yada, yada. Point being, he won a Nobel Prize, all of this. All of a sudden, he conducted an experiment where accidentally water and DNA memory and teleportation was used, and then it was quickly shoved off to the side. Now, let's take a look at what cymatics are, okay? Because I think we need to have a very strong understanding of this based on, literally, the understanding of biting someone into a relationship that these reptilian archons do and even if the archons and reptilians don't do it i think the principalistic science is still there and this could actually be used in a good way but it's just not being used in that case currently so let's take a look cymatics all right we see right over here was is is a subset of model vibrational phenomenon notice by the way in the mainstream media and academia wikipedia wherever you look whenever there's something that is provable but cannot be explained how that provability works it's always a phenomenon and then they just leave it at that that's just a great way of you know cranking up the surface level uh, uh, suppression but let's see right over here um, typically, the surface of a plate, diaphragm, or membrane is vibrated, and regions of maximum and minimum displacement are made visible in a thin coating of particles, paste, or liquid. Now, let's take a look here. Different patterns emerge in the excitatory, um, excitatory medium depending on the geometry of the plate and the driving frequency. Now, there are a handful of individuals, like I believe Masiro Emoto's water memory concept that is based on this, and he, what he essentially did was, he just took some water and put it in a cup and played some music, different types of music, heavy metal music, and then in other cases, classical music. Classical music, the frequencies of the water, were actually able to make something similar to what you see right over here, something more symmetric, consistent, swirly, more, I guess you could say, clean-looking, based on how we view it. And when heavy metal is played, no, I, I actually like a little bit of heavy metal, no disrespect to anyone who likes heavy metal, um, it was much more chaotic. The water was much more chaotic. Now, we see right over here, cymatics demonstrates vividly how sound influences matter and molecular structure. We need to keep in mind sound, light beams, and things like this, because it's going to get a little bit uh, down the rabbit hole. Water being a strong conductor for sound, imagine how sound affects your inner workings and how it can assist rearranging dissonance, right? Disease um, into dissonance equals disease into patterns of a natural state of coherence. Now, take a look at this. Imagine how sound affects your inner workings. Again, can we not correlate that with right over here? Taking one heart and putting it into another. We see this process was, um, her heart was put into his, but not vice versa. In this case, we can see that the alien maneuverings had to do with our heart energies. Now, how can they harness heart energies? Well, maybe they may not be physical in the way that we think of it. Like you can't grab um, a heart energy like, a, like you can grab a tennis ball or a physical object, so to speak, right? But what if it is an astrally vibrating string that we are supposed to see but cannot see because we're in this trap? Right now, look at this. And by the way, some of you might be saying, yeah, Dave, you know, no shit, Sherlock. But guys, I, I know, just, just bear with me. Um, we see right over here. In this case, we can see that the alien maneuverings had to do with our heart energies. I think there is more to this, however. In another love bite case that was unpublished, the abductee was told by her alien handlers, handlers that they will try to match certain persons together based on past life karmic connections. 
All right, now, quick little side note. This actually is the same type of scientific, spiritual, esoteric karma that Dan Winter referred to in our previous lecture that he was so kind to give us about nuclear karma, but that's for another discussion. And actually, not necessarily, but... And these connections can be observed by the aliens as a kind of energy tendril connected between certain people. So when the aliens match two persons together, they look for strong past life connections via the energy body. Notice, by the way, that if you were to have a nuts and bolts situation of if you merged, loved, and, and partnered people's energies together, that it would create a visualized representation. What does that remind us of? The Romanian Sphinx. Remember, folks, the projection room? Apparently, it had that when you mixed people's, not just their DNA, but their essence, which we consider to be in the physical world, or scientists consider to be, um, you know, total bullshit and, you know, or paranormal non-woo-woo stuff, tinfoil hat. But essence, what is our essence? It could be the soul, it could be the chi, the prawn, it could be our bioresonance, it could be all of that. The toroid field in which we our sovereignty energetically projects, it could be all of that. Now, let's take a look here. So in this case, when we say that when someone is matched to a targeted partner who they already have a past life karmic connection, then the love between them and the connection is real. The connection has been, quote, helped, all, uh, helped along. Now, keep in mind, folks, I'm not saying that these being bitten into relationships is good nor bad because I still don't know personally where I stand on that. So it's not fair for me to say what I think to you folks if I don't know yet. But we see here, again, it seems to be similar to that of, you know, AI technology. The tech itself is not bad. It's how it's being used and applied, right, based on intention. Again, going back to that concept of intention from Dan Winter, that's another multi-layered esoteric angle. Because if you have these archons or reptilians on a higher level, than we are because sadly they've put us in this concentric circle type based layered control grid their intention is far more stronger because they're outside of this hollow deck that we are in or this simulation or matrix whatever you want to call it right but the proof is in the pudding meaning that things like in my humble perspective cymatics are in fact proof that there is actual it's this is more than just a random phenomenon obviously but even larger than that of a human comprehension and attempt to to sort of um uh, ridicule it and stigmatize it this is a little um these cymatics here are proof in the pudding in my humble opinion sort of uh th that we are in a trap and you might be saying dave how so well how come we can't expand upon uh, this technologically uh, cymatics and don't don't give me this whole and i'm not talking to you guys i'm talking to these scientists don't give me this whole we don't have the funding we don't have the tech we don't have the resources give me a break give me a break don't you, you can you can you can coerce the anyways whatever um point being ultimately this is sort of like us being stuck in a in a um in a rat trap right and we know we're in the rat trap but the people controlling us are reaching their hands in and sort of giving us, you know, um, uh, some food every so often, right? And we eat that food, but they want us to stop thinking about eating that food right then and there and not think about anything past that, right? When in reality, thinking past that concept is what is past cymatics. If that makes sense, I hope, I, I really hope that makes sense. Please forgive me if I'm, if I, if that doesn't, um, if that doesn't make sense. Essentially point being is that th these cymatics and these vibrations within water and water memory and all of that is a subtle hint to showing that we are in a simulation by showing that love and frequency based on Masiru Emoto's experiments of, uh, you know, heavy metal versus classical music does actually have, um, uh, genuine meaning. Now, 
what comes from that is something called what we call chaos magic, which is interesting because chaos magic seems to be described more and more by quantum physicists as something that is not so chaotic after all, if you will, which is equally as interesting because one thing I'm gathering, folks, is that... So basically, sorry, point being, cymatics, these symbols, for those that don't get it in layman's terms, it's basically giving us a hint that we're in a simulation and we can break out of it. Let me just explain it that way. But essentially, what we're seeing is that what I'm gathering as well from people like Dan Winter, Hal Pudoff, you know, Chris Mellon, the ones that are coming forward, uh, you know, um, uh, Bob Bigelow, you know, the ones coming forward from the government and also not from the government. It's that Einstein's theory of general relativity was not incorrect it was just missing some variables and to substantiate that former Lockheed uh, CEO of um, uh, sorry former head of uh, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works division Ben Rich said this shortly before he passed away as well as I believe Herman Oberth who was Warner Von Braun's mentor said this as well however this is what gets interesting this is also what I believe um, Hal uh, Pudoff tried to describe to Eric Weinstein in the recent vi conversation uh, video and interview they had that just came out now this is essentially what I'm trying to explain here. So, think of it like this. Let's take right at the top here. See where my mouse is, uh, folks? Let's, let's zoom in a little bit, actually. Number 10, okay? Now, let's say this grid represents space and time. This grid represents the air that we breathe. It represents the world, the environment, everything physical, non-physical. It represents all of that, okay? Now, let's say, for example, all right... This is us right over here, right at this point, number 10, at this corner. And this represents where you and I are right now as you're watching this presentation. As time proceeds, okay, we've always viewed time as being linear, as per uh, um, Einstein's theory of general relativity. It seems as though, again, imagine this, this line going forward to the right, of, and that, this represents the progression of time. Right. So, for example, say, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have lunch, you have, you know, you have breakfast, you have lunch, you go, you have dinner, you go to sleep, you know, just, you know, normal progression. Now, think of, say, for example, you wake up over here. OK, you go to bed right over here at this corner here. This represents a whole day in which you go through and you view time as being straight. Right. Because that's the way we've been taught and that's the way we understand and all that. And sure. Now, think about each little connecting point across this line leading up to the end okay the end representing the time you go to bed as being a variable instead of a constant what does that mean essentially instead of being something that is for example um okay let's put it this way you wake up in the morning this first spot represents that this first gap you wake up in the morning this second gap represents you having breakfast okay this point right here represents the table in which you're eating your breakfast on the color of the table is brown let's just say but at the same time it's also blue it's also red it's also orange it's every other color this is something we should be able to see in a way that would be undescribable because we have, even myself, like we have not seen it. So how can you describe something you cannot see? And the reason we don't see this and these other variables in between is because of these uh, POSs right over here. The Archons, the Reptilians, whatever you want to refer to it as. I hope that makes sense. Now, what I just explained, folks, okay, again, 
the point from when you wake up to going to bed thinking everything is consistent or constant. Instead, it's variables, right? Where you may not see it with your eyes physically, but everything is happening always everywhere all around us. This is also what Hal Pudoff tried to explain to Eric Weinstein. This gave rise to what is called intuitional uh, mathematics. Okay, now intuitional mathematics, this is when it gets, um, I guess you could say, uh, very interesting because intuitional mathematics, all right, ultimately, uh, sorry, intu intuitionistic, excuse me, mathematics. Let's uh, search that in real time. Excuse me. Intuitionistic mathematics. This is when it gets really neat, folks. Okay. In the philosophy of mathematics, intuitionism or neo-intuitionism is an approach where mathematics is considered to be purely the result of the constructive mental activity of humans rather than the discovery of fundamental principles claimed to exist in an objective reality. In layman's terms, folks, that's what I've been saying in terms of um, when I gave the example of, like, say, Joshua or Scott or, you know, great uh, valued members of the community where, you know, you have me standing here, Scott on the other end of this room, Josh on the other end of the room, and say we're all looking at the same spot in space and time, but Josh sees a triangle craft. I see a circle, and, um, I don't know, let's say uh, Scott sees, um, uh, he, he doesn't even see a, a, a solid craft. He sees, like, a a craft doing a whole bunch of other things, like literally like some, a bunch of light phenomenon or something like this. That is this, folks. That is, um, excuse me one second. Sorry, let me get back to the, that's what I was just explaining right here. It, it's not just with the craft. It's also with the table when you're having breakfast. Does that make sense, guys? I, I hope it does because, again, this grid represents the life that we live in, space and time. Now, this is what gets equally as interesting as well because I want to make sure that we cover all of this in a way that uh, I guess you could say is, um, so to speak, um, understandable, right? So we have here squaring the circle, okay? Now, before we get into squaring the circle, what I want to cover specifically is this right over here. I having uh, sorry the question by Karina po post here having been bitten into a relationship does that mean it is meant to be by a higher force all right and then Eve says I believe all events in our lives are in some way caused by previous conditions where it's karmic or present uh, whether it is karmic or present life situations Okay, now, this is when it's going to get really interesting. This is what we mean by thick time, okay? So, let's see here if I pull... Yeah, thick time. One of the cooler ideas I've come across in recent years is that of thick time, okay? To understand what I'm talking about, according to ingestion.wordpress.com, to understand what I'm talking about, I need to first make a distinction between perception and sensation. They're two sides of the same coin. Perception and sensation. Could we also not say that is consciousness and energy? Two sides of the same coin, which makes up what Jacques Vallée believes to be, maybe he's wrong, to be fair, but information structures. Again, information structures, does that not remind us of the image of the Matrix right here? from the movie, right? Anyways, by perception, I mean the processing of raw information about the external world. We perceive light waves with our eyes, surfaces with our skin, sound waves with our ears, chemicals with our nose and tongue, and so on. Perception is objective and unconscious, 
okay? By sensation, however, I mean that information we get as subjective and conscious experience. Okay. Let me, um, let me explain this in the best way that I can because I really, really want to hammer this point down. This goes back to actually the concept of the grid uh, that we were just looking at right over here. So, if we go... Excuse me, folks, one second. So, if we go and we take a look right over here at... Uh, the dis the uh, perception of processing raw information about the external world, okay? Let's go like this. Let's take it like this. Let's say you wake up in the morning, okay? And you wake up in the morning with, and please forgive me if you don't understand this, but just to make it very simple, everyone in life has um, a frequency they emit off of them, right? Let's just put it that way. Let's say, for the sake of this example, the frequency you're emitting when you wake up in the morning is the number two. Why the, I'm just using that as an example. Don't please don't hammer me on that. Um, so you wake up in the morning and you wake up as the number two. But then what happens is that your other um, the lower sorry you the lower part of your body has a value of two point zero three frequency that it's emitting, and your upper body is the number two. So we have the number two and two point zero three. You wake up emitting those numbers. Let's just say. As you go about your day, based on Einstein's theory of general relativity, you would assume it stays as 2 and 2.03 until you go to bed and then repeat. But what if, again, let's just say you're having breakfast and you're at the table here, right, where the table is multiple colors, but we can't see it because of the trap we're in, but it is there. It's everything all at once occurring, sort of like the, um, the uh, cherry of a cigarette. All parts of the cherry are constantly occurring at once right, which could give rise to other dimensions, but point being, say 2.0 uh, 2 and 2.03, and then, say from the time you have breakfast, the frequency that you're emitting on your upper body, say by the time you go here for lunch, is 2.01, and then the frequency you're emitting on your, lo uh, your lower body is 2.05, okay, they're just random numbers I picked, point being, that... Uh, According to Einstein's theory of general relativity, that should not be possible. You are now of your frequencies are now varying, although theoretically the math states, classical mathematics states that it should stay at it should have stayed at two point zero and two point zero three from when you woke up. Okay, does that make sense, folks? That then explains how intuitionistic mathematics could actually be used because when people say for example something is either black or white yes or no all right it's like saying for example okay next sunday folks the weather it's going to rain all right what i just did right there was i made a prediction it's going to rain next sunday that's it it's either going to be i'm wrong or i'm right that's life it's either you're wrong or you're right about something right okay what if there was a third option a third option that represents these variables from the tables constantly changing colors and from you emitting all the different frequencies all at once but we can't see that again because we're in this trap from the archons from the mind this 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 suppression so to speak now i'm not saying this is fact i'm this is just the proposal i'm throwing out there but by the way, institutional mathematics, sci, um, intuitional mathematics, cymatics—all um, of this. This is all. Uh, this is all legitimate, being discussed currently by quantum physicists. So I just want to uh, be clear about that. 
It's the same thing, folks. It's the same concept where the variables are changing. This is exactly what Hal Pudoff said to Eric Weinstein, where he said in that video that some of us watched, if you're on the group Zoom call, he goes, I have some sympathy for those that are following Einstein's theory of general relativity. It could just be that there's something missing, not that Einstein was wrong, which then makes us, makes us think, did Einstein finish that equation before he died? It's just it was never publicized because we now know Einstein's assistant came out recently with the documents and transcripts showing that Einstein seemingly knew about UFOs and was asked to be consulted about aliens and things like this, although the government didn't listen to his advice, which was don't be violent. Anyways, point being, it, this could very possibly be the case, okay? Now, interestingly enough, one of the other things I wanted to mention as well, too, is that this brings up the constant understanding of if these elites understand this, okay, if they really do, it would make perfect sense why such phenomenon, we say phenomenon, but I mean, ultimately, it's, it's not really, why spheres in cubes are seen near ley lines, okay? Now, I'd also like to point out here, right over here, um, excuse me one second, uh, the different ley lines all across the planet here. So let's go ley lines, and what we'll find is that, again, particularly, this is these are the ley lines of the United States. The vast majority of spheres and cube sightings, and if you want to look at the reports, I'll send it to you, no problem. I, I did some, spent a couple hours looking into this to make sure I got my, my facts right. Squares and cubes have been seen more strong, um, more heavily than, than most off of the, um, off of the coast of California, interestingly enough, right, which, you know, near Florida, things like this, near water, okay, again, near water, cymatics, sound influences matter in molecular structures and water, okay, that's number one, but let's go to squaring the cube, all right, I think this is a great image to show, we're going to put this, the sphere into the cube, and you might be saying, Dave, what? What does this have to do with, you know, being bitten by love or anything like this? I believe squaring the cube, whether physically or uh, frequentially, is, is what these archons do in their trap, which also gave rise to something called the J phenomenon. But we'll get to that shortly. So we see right over here, a sphere is inside of a cube, right? And Air Force pilots uh, have seen, particularly at higher altitudes, these type of craft. And when you say, Dave, what do you mean these type of craft? I mean, literally this, like a cube, a sphere inside of a cube, like that. And then the cube also, in some cases, moving. Also, sometimes the square moving in and of itself, and the square and the sphere moving both simultaneously. Now, I'd like to thank Brandy for pointing this out on the stream uh, yesterday, as of the time I'm recording this. That just totally slipped my mind. Folks, how many sides of the cube does the sphere touch when it's inside the cube? Six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Top, bottom, left uh, side, side, and then the other two sides. Six. Okay, now we have the number six, right? So look at this, squaring the circle. Squaring the circle is a problem proposed by ancient geometers, all right? It is the challenge of constructing a square with the same area as a given circle by only using a finite number of steps with compass and straight edge. The difficulty of the problem raised the question of whether specified axioms of Euclidean geometry concerning the existence of lines and circles implied the existence of such a square. Notice something, folks. Euclidean geometry, the 47th problem of Euclid. The Freemasons, 
particularly the 33rd degree Freemasons. I'm not advocating for Freemasons, nor am I being against them. Uh, the point being, they clearly, maybe I'm not sure about modern Freemasons or maybe previous ones, there was an understanding about the 47th problem of Euclid that seems to be directly correlated with squaring the circle. And I find that interesting that, again, particularly at high altitudes, near ley lines and near bodies of water, the spheres and, uh, and the square craft are seen. Okay, so again, it, it, as we see here, to give a little more layman's terms, a squaring the circle means to construct a given circle, uh, a um, means to construct for a given circle a square with the same area as the circle. The trick is to do so using only a compass and a straight edge. All right, now we'll see here, meaning in alchemy, a symbol of a circle within a square within a triangle within a larger circle began to be used in the 17th century to represent alchemy and the philosopher's stone, which is the ultimate goal of alchemy. The philosopher's stone, which was sought for centuries, was an imaginary substance that alchemists believed would change any base metal into silver or gold. <laughs> what if it wasn't imaginary? What if that's what we now call topology? Okay, and what is topology? Topology, let's see right over here. Is concerned with the properties of a geometric object that are preserved under continuous deformations, such as stretching, twisting, crumpling, and bending. That is, without closing holes, opening holes, tearing, gluing, or passing through itself. All right? That's when it's, it's sort of, excuse me, that's when it gets really intense. Okay, because then we have to think. The Project Carrot documents seems to be precisely that. Topology, right? Emitting a certain symbol under a certain frequency in a particular air pocket. And then the language, or the, 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 the symbols started to move on their own. All right, and then this deeply uh, is intertwined with that of philosophy. Not only that, but quick little side note we'll see here. Again, according to learnreligions.com, there are illustrations that include a squaring the circle design, such as one in Michael Myers' book, Atalanta Fugians, first published in 1617. Atlanta, Atlantis? Note the hints are all over the place, folks. They're all over the place. Right, and we see here a man is using a compass to draw a circle around a circle within a square within a triangle. Within the smaller circle are a man and a woman, the two halves of our nature that are supposedly brought together through alchemy. Now, you remember what I said, the two, when I, uh, the two halves of nature? Remember what I said at the grid here? Imagine your upper body's emitting a certain frequency and your lower body's emitting an, another frequency, right? What does that remind us of? Um, this right here. Leonardo da Vinci's anatomy. The upper and the lower body. So, again, see? The upper and the lower body. So, again, I'm not saying I have the answers, folks. But point being is that we need to look at some other perspectives, which is that, okay, we now have, going back to JacquesVallet.net, this is the six-layer model report that Dr. Eric Davis and Jacques Vallet put out there. Interestingly enough, okay, they put the anthropocentric bias in our paradigms, all right? Basically saying, say for example, folks, that we were to discover um, um, a new, uh, we as humans, put, put aliens aside, say we were to discover a new type of um, 
nano worm that exists that is super super small we can't see it but it's there right first thing that you know uh, you know, some signs, say pretend uh, me, um, uh, let's just say um, me, Jess, uh, Michelle, Rena, we're some scientists and we're looking at some stuff here, right? And we're looking at these, m these micro worms. Say, for example, Michelle discovers it and says, hey guys, come check this out. And then I go, oh my gosh, okay, so the next question is, what type of food do they eat to, to survive? But here's the thing, folks. Who's to say they even need to eat to survive? Who's to say they're even carbon-based? Who is to say that they, again, that their energy mechanisms are that of the same as ours? Who's to say they eat in the same way we do, which is, you know, putting the food from a certain point in, in, in their environment into their mouths? Who's to say that when, I know this is going to be a little trippy, when there are variables throughout the day that these worms abide by but we don't because we're focused on a linear um a progression throughout our day now the best way to describe this for those that say dave you've lost me i really don't get this the film tenet with um this film right over here talking about the entropy of an object all right about time inversion okay and the reason i bring this up folks is because it seems in mathematics, like I was saying before, there's no longer just black or white. There's an indeterminate variable now. And that indeterminate variable is giving rise to everything I'm dis explaining here from the very beginning of this episode. That indeterminate variable is giving rise to, again, everything happening all at once. All, uh, you know, your, your ta the table that you're having breakfast at is not only different colors, it's not only wood, it's metal, it's everything. It's all of it, all at once. I know that sounds very confusing, but we would be able to see that and perceive that. How? I don't know. But we would be able to if we were not under this archonic type control, so to speak. But it is things like cymatics that are giving hints that this is exactly what may be um, the case. Okay, now, again, going back to the example of, 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 um, of the weather, telling the weather, let's say, right? We see, particularly, when uh, I say, okay, next Sunday, it's going to rain. Okay, but what if it rained for Michelle, but not for Rena? And you might be saying, yeah, Dave, these are in different parts of the world. No, what if Rena and Michelle were in the same house? It rained for Michelle, but not for Rena. This could also explain Christopher Mellon's leaked ATIP slides when it said unique cognitive human experiences, right? So if we go, uh, Christopher Mellon, ATIP slides and if we head over here see oh excuse me penetration of solid surfaces cognitive human interface unique cognitive human interface experiences okay and again penetration of solid surfaces could be done with squaring the circle because what you would have is something called para-consistent logic, which could explain ghosts and paranormal instances. What is para-consistent logic? It is a way to reason about inconsistent information without lapsing into absurdity. Again, explaining this right over here, variables within Einstein's theory of general relativity. All right, which could explain the bitten by love concept, taking certain astral strings, be from the chakras because you have the upper body and the lower body emitting different frequencies and that each chakra emits a different frequency as well 
Does this make sense, folks? I, I, I really hope it does. Um, and this would certainly explain a lot of this, right? And we see at the very bottom, what was considered phenomena is now quantum physics. Oh, how convenient, right? Quantum physics. There you go. So the next thing pertaining to squaring the circle then brings us past quantum physics. Something, I, I guess I've made this up myself, but omniphysics, being omnipresent, not just here, but everywhere in every other dimension, which would explain, and geometrically that would be represented by this right over here, kgmclean.com. We currently are living in like, in, a, in, an, in an understanding of this, a square and, a, and, and a, a cube and a sphere, like literally just that. But these ETs, if you will, and even these archons are using, sadly, this concept of, the, uh, of they're taking advantage of this understanding that we don't have to use this mind control grid and invert our subconscious into us, if that makes sense. I'm hoping that makes sense, folks. Now, we see here, again, I want to, let me just make sure I've, I've covered everything here. Uh, cymatics, yeah, thick time, J phenomenon, um, ley lines, all of that. Yes, uh, the J phenomenon. Here we go. This is the final part of the presentation. And I'd like to thank you folks so much for those that have, um, um, that have tried to bear with me. And please tell me in the comments if I have not explained it as well, because I will do this whole episode over again just to explain it. This is how, um, how important, at least I think uh, this is personally. So uh, let's go to, please forgive me. Uh, uh, here we are, my uh, Gmail. So I took some screenshots from Twitter and it really made me think. Gary Nolan, the Stanford professor who's analyzing some of those metals, the titanium bismuth or something like this of, of, from UFO craft and all that. This gentleman here, Tiny Klaus, goes, Gary Nolan just blew my mind. He speculates that the greys are a manifestation of what the phenomenon wants us to see. They're different enough from us to let us know it's not human, but look human enough for us to comprehend as real. Interesting, right? And then some of the replies were saying Jacques Vallée was the first to suggest this. Looking through historical accounts, varying frames of reference also come into play. The phenomenon seems to match or meet expectations to a degree, whether angels, aliens, fairies, or demons. That's why back in the day, some of these ETs may have actually appeared as angels, so to speak, because it was much more comfortable in the minds of ancient ancestral humans. And then, of course, their interpretation of it, too, it, it, you know, f it, you know, was put into things like the Bible, the Quran, yada, yada. And then, you know, the, the, the scriptures and the literature. And now you have up to today the, you know, all the wars that have started from it. But we see here another reply by someone named Prax. Yeah, that's the control system showing us a form that just makes sense. It's downright Jungian. Someone, Rachel Martin here mentioned as well, this is brought up on Lex Friedman's podcast as well, which to be fair, yes, it has. Again, showing us what we want to see in a comfortable, that, that, that is comfortable relative to our conscious and subconscious. The variables, showing us what we want to see. We wake up in the morning, we're having breakfast on that brown table. We want to see that brown table. Now, yes, we can't see the other ones, not necessarily because of ourselves. Partly, It's part of that, but it's, it's part of our own ignorance being knocked on the head with amnesia as a species. But it's also because of the archonic trap as well. Does that make sense, folks? I hope it does. So let's wrap this up with the J phenomenon. 
So we see here, the history of science is replete with claims which have been the subject of heated controversy. Sometimes the rejection of revolutionary claims by the Orthodox is vindicated as relatively simple explanations of such problematic events um, uh, subsequently coming to light. This is according to uh, JSTOR.org. Sometimes the initially implausible or eccentric claims are triumphantly vindicated as a doubting orthodoxy either eats humble pie or attempts to represent the new wisdom as something it has always believed. But sometimes the eventual demise of an unpopular claim is surrounded by a confusion of innuendo, inconsistency, unsubstantiated assertions, and plain ignorance. Okay. Um, The J phenomenon, a complicated set of experimental claims and preliminary theoretical forays by the British physicist C.G. Barkla, is a good example of a case of the third type. It was a scientific error, but error in quotes, on, um, on the fringes of orthodox physics which lasted long enough to generate over 50 scientific papers. The J phenomenon never received an absolutely final and clear explanation in terms which would justify its rational rejection by the mainstream. The case reflects a deep gulf of incommensurability between groups pursuing two different idioms of science. Okay. A difference which I have argued elsewhere had been extant if uh, had been extant if less marked for nearly two decades before the climax, but not the end of the controversy in 1923. Okay, folks, what's being said here? Let me translate all of this for you. Is that basically the J phenomenon, a form of anti-gravity and time dilation? And what basically what we've been what we've been covering this entire episode was discovered allegedly in the 1920s. I kid you not. Um, by who, which country, not sure, maybe multiple, it's hard to say. There are some newspaper clippings that show this, and again, it was just quickly covered up. And as Hal Pudoff said with Eric Weinstein recently, it, it was either covered up quickly and quieted and quieted down because it went nowhere, or it quieted down because they got somewhere and then it went black. And then that's when the Rockefellers came in and all of that. And then, of course, you have the previous members, own, uh, two members episodes ago of the Draco infestation. So that would be the sort of archonic inversion via what we're seeing here, right? So again, folks, I'd like to um, uh, really ask you folks, and I really do mean this, uh, what, uh, what, you th- what you thought of this presentation. I- I'm not trying to get all word salady. I'm not trying to overcomplicate. I'm trying to break it down in the simplest way that I can. So with that being said, please, please, please let me know what you think, and we'll catch you all very, very soon. Cheers.